0: Juggling podcast number fifty nine: juggling and physiotherapy. 59. Hello, and welcome to Juggling Podcast number fifty nine. My name is Luke Burge, and sitting next to me is
1: Paula Brendler.
0: And we're in Berlin again, of course, because here we are in Berlin. Um,
1: we live here. Yes, of
0: course, but I'm just saying that we haven't really gone anywhere, but uh, we have been doing quite a lot of stuff. Polly, you've got a bit of cool news. What are you up to uh, on Saturday, this, yesterday, and this coming week? Go for it.
1: Oh, I first wanted to say that I have an exhibition running at the moment, which, like, the opening was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, we mentioned that on the last podcast.
1: Oh, did we? Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, sorry. Uh,
0: I got the time wrong. I said, be there at eight. Really? No, do you, do you not, but you corrected me then on the podcast. Can you not remember this? We had this conversation. Forget it. Anyway, so what's happening this week?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm taking part at a new cooking series again. And to, yesterday they were here for filming me at home, doing my artwork and doing an interview and stuff. And next week I will cook again in a, in a really good restaurant, in a gourmet rest, uh, restaurant. And I'll cook for twenty five people.
0: So you're gonna be cooking meals for twenty five people in in a
1: Yeah, I don't I say don't say the restaurant, it's not allowed.
0: Oh, you're not allowed to say the restaurant at all? No. Okay, but it's somewhere in Berlin, a very nice restaurant, a bike ride away from where we live. And hopefully this is gonna to lead to more artwork being sold by Polar, maybe. And also, a cool thing about your exhibition is uh, you got a a review in in a newspaper. Say about that quickly.
1: Oh, yeah, I've got a review in Die Welt, which is like a really, really big newspaper in Germany. And, yeah, I have that fantastic report about my art, about me, and it's just so cool.
0: Pretty cool. My news is, I guess, well, I've been building this big thing, this big juggling project. I've not talked about it very much on the podcast, but um, let me put it this way. Maybe in about a month's time, I'll have a a cool video ready for you all of A very uh, good, original kind of... um, Original kind of acts there, because I, I put this video of me up on on YouTube of my acts that I did at the Berlin juggling Convention, and uh, on it I say, Oh, this is some classic tricks, some interesting stuff you know inspired by the uh the old jugglers you're the juggling legends, you know circus jugglers and I got this message today check this out he goes um, this is juggle gal seventy five and she says this is a bit interesting here 's a man who writes tons of articles telling other jugglers how to perform to be original, etc, etc yet has the most generic act i've seen in some time i like the balls and pockets i guess he saw an eva vida video recently mr originality not where did you get your ring technique you've got the stiffest stiffest arms i've ever seen so that's an interesting comment there about my video normally it's been like hey you got act hey really cool stuff but the point is the video the act is put together as a tribute to Jugglers, you know other jugglers. So check it out. Go to YouTube and see if you can like spot the um, the jugglers who I'm um, paying a homage to, I guess, in my act. For example, you know I'm doing tricks, ring tricks, in the style of Sergei Ignatov. You know, and the the ball on the back of the neck is from Iva Vida. And, uh, and other jugglers as well, who also catch balls in, in nets on the backs of the, the uh, on the bottom, you know.
1: And the red ball is Victor Key.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I do some, I do some Victor Key style tricks. Of course, not, I'm not juggling in the style of Victor Key. I'm not doing any of those dance moves or anything like that. But some of the tricks, I did a workshop with Victor Key and I did a workshop with um, Sergei Ignatov. So I'm sort of being inspired by those, those, um those people. And uh, yeah, I, of course, it's the second half of the act because the first half is a tribute to, grand picasso and grand picasso jr with their ping pong juggling stuff which is again that's the whole point of the routine that it's a, a like a tribute like a, a homage to uh, great jugglers of the past and even though i said that on the side of the video in the information on the side of the video this person just said mr originality not which i thought was quite interesting that people can just miss things so blatant i thought it was blatantly obvious that it was just meant to be a classic juggling routine with crowd pleasing tricks from uh, uh, from the history of juggling and this person just went just went straight over their head anyway not not <laughs> so uh, that's pretty cool anyway yeah so I'm, I'm just actually finishing up one video um at the moment for another a combat video that i'm putting up online so check out the youtube stream because it's not going to be a juggling podcast this is never going to be a juggling podcast uh video sorry juggling podcast video there's never going to be a video version of the juggling podcast
1: wow you can say
0: it no i can't it took me a while to say that <laughs> But I will be um, putting videos up, and you can find them on my YouTube uh, channel, stream? Don't really know what you call it. Anyway, let's get on to the, the topic here at hand, and stick around after the interview that we're going to play now, because we're going to talk about the upcoming question show that we'd like to do, either in the next episode or the episode after. It depends how many good questions we get, so we'll talk about that at the end. So coming up now is an interview that I did with a professional NHS-employed, physiotherapist who is also a hobbyist juggler and he is a very knowledgeable guy about injuries about repetitive strain injury about um what to do if you hurt yourself how to avoid aches and pains while juggling all these kind of questions his name is alan beers he's going to introduce himself as we go in here so uh I, I'm really pleased with this interview. It's come out really well, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. So anyone who trains a lot and goes, "Oh, I'm a bit sore," this guy can help you out. And the answers, you know, the questions that he answers here could really help you out. What's up, Pola?
1: So I don't need to listen to it.
0: Uh, no, you don't need to listen to it. You don't.
1: <laughs> I don't juggle a lot.
0: <laughs> no. Oh, we have juggled a bit recently, haven't we? That's a bit I've of news. Juggled a lot recently. We've juggled. We've juggled three times recently. But those three juggling sessions that we've had have managed to bump our record with nine clubs up. At, up to over. 10 passes each or like 10 passes caught each so over 20 over 20 passes caught which means that 40 throws and catches in general within nine club passing so we're very pleased with that so nine club passing is coming on pretty well between me and polo anyway that's a bit of a tangent a bit off topic there let's get to the interview with alan beers so here it is We're here in the main hall at the EJC, so excuse any sounds of thuds and clunks of people dropping in the gym. And with me is um, a professional physiotherapist, I think that's his title, and uh, it's Alan Beers. Hello, Luke. And Alan is also variable known. Actually, you you introduce yourself as how people might know you on the internets. Uh,
2: My rec juggling uh, pseudonym is Monkey Juggler. Occasionally Physio Monkey as well at conventions. Okay, so uh, just, just tell me what you do at conventions, because often, you often have a
0: little room at the BJC and at Choc Fest and other places. So what kind of things do you do at juggling conventions?
2: Uh, well, I, d- I run a couple of workshops, um, this BJC, i uh, done one at Fest. Um I thought about doing one, this EJC, but frankly I've been too hot and uncomfortable, so I didn't do anything. I also run clinic sessions, so like, if you go and see a physiotherapist out in the real world, you can go and see a physio, so I just run those uh, on a pay-what-you-think-that-was-worth basis at the juggling convention so people come along and go oh my back oh no tell me what are your common
0: problems that you that you get sort of like from jugglers that they want the physiotherapist to sort
2: out for them well most of your problems are the same as anyone gets really bad backs bad necks necks are a big one particularly for the numbers jugglers because they're looking up all the time so they're tipping their heads back terrible posture you name it wrists are quite a good one as well i get a few wrist problems but generally particularly at the end of a long convention like this one people have just got Sore, (laughs) as if you've been doing too much. So, sore backs, sore necks, you name it. Sore feet? Uh, That's me, yes.
0: That's cool. Uh, I've got a sore head sometimes, but that's nothing to do with posture. I think it's more to do with alcohol intake and staying up too late. So, uh, yeah, some of these common problems. Let's talk a bit about uh, sort of the bad neck and bad back. For juggling, you say it's down to the posture, maybe people standing, like looking up all the time. What would you recommend to sort of help reduce stress? I mean, of course, we can't really show people here and you can't sort of prod people in the back via podcast. But if you could sort of explain what you would think is
2: sort of like the best posture for, for juggling to avoid back problems and neck problems. Well, I'm going to come at that slightly differently because the best posture isn't one when you're juggling because we're not built to be staring upwards straight into the sky, really. So I don't have a problem with people having a terrible posture while they're juggling, say, seven balls for a while. But what they need to be doing is looking after their posture away from when they're juggling to give themselves the strongest neck so they're not in a terrible state, really, when they uh, spend, all- particularly at a convention when people are doing a lot more than they ordinarily would do, for instance how best to describe it really, Um, you want to basically have your head on top of your neck not dangling off the front of it and I can't really describe that any better without photos. Yeah, pretty much how I'm sitting now is probably quite
0: bad because I'm sort of leaning... Uh, could, I could be a bit more upright, but then it's, the microphone is... I've got to pass the microphone a longer distance. But uh, yeah, that is actually something I've not really thought of. It. It's not some Because the amount of time that you spend a day juggling is always going to be a lot less than you're going to just be sitting or standing or sitting at your desk. You think the things that you do around the juggling is more important than your posture during juggling.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in my uh, day-to-day life, I'm an uh, NHS physio in, back in Britain, and everyone I see pretty much has got either a, a manual job or they've got an office job. And they're all, what can I do about my job? Well, very often, it's stuff you do away from your job that's going to help. It's not necessarily what you do when you're doing it. Obviously, you don't want a horrific posture when you're doing your thing.
0: What could you, what could you do to improve your posture? Of course, uh, there's things like, I guess, uh, yoga or something, or is it sort of like some exercises that you can do to just
2: improve your posture to help you with your bad necks while juggling? There are some specific exercises, but the problem is, Trying to advise everybody is hard because everybody's different. Everyone's built this, built in a different way. We've got both. We've all got different postures. I'm not built the same as you. When you see someone like Ori Roth, his neck's not built the same as uh, anyone else's. So <laughs> it's difficult to say. But the basic deal: most people, if you're in an office job or you're in a manual job, you're going to have your head forward a lot. If you're sitting at a computer all day, particularly a laptop like you've got there, you're going to have your head down and forward, and that's not a particularly great posture. When jugglers juggle, uh, there's some famous examples, there's Ori, who always has his head forward quite a lot. And uh, I remember Olga Galchenko, when she was juggling, she used to stick her head forward and then look up, which isn't really not a nice posture for a neck. you basically away from that, as I say, you want to be working towards getting your head back on top of your neck, not on front of it. But so would you encourage people to do some yoga or Pilates or something like that? Pilates is always good, but make sure you get a teacher yoga is pretty good but there's all sorts of varieties of yoga and i'm not convinced by all of them uh you get some people who i've I've seen acro yoga i've seen aerobics yoga i don't think any of those quite count as yoga by uh, purist standards but um, i've even had yoga teachers come see me with bad backs so even if someone's really good at what they do it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have a trouble free existence
0: is if somebody has had a bad back for a long time, are they sort of like are they a lost cause, or are there things? I mean, if so, like if a juggler is going oh like this, and they go oh maybe yeah I'll
2: go will go to yoga. Is it actually worth them going to do something about it? Yes, one of the commonest questions I get is oh not not questions so much as a comment when someone's come and say oh my back's gone bad. I'll say oh how long's the problem been around? Oh I've always had a weak back. Well if you've always had weak arms and you can't do something you need to do with your arms, you. Get them stronger. You can get a back stronger. You can get it fitter. There's various ways of doing it. Pilates is a good way, but to be honest, random exercise is pretty good. Doing a lot of one thing is usually pretty bad. So you know, you just vary your exercises. Do a lot of different stuff. Find something you enjoy. You know, uh, if you if I say to someone, do these five exercises, they're boring. They're not going to do them, so it's a waste of time. So find something you enjoy doing. That is going to vary what your body experiences. Really. So standing in one place for seven or eight hours practicing your juggling all you're going to practice there is looking up and bending down so it's not fantastic unless you're doing a spectacular movement exercise or whatever so you you definitely recommend that kind of cross training then i guess Generally, yes. It's just good for general fitness, if nothing else.
0: So let's talk a bit more about, uh, sort of, again to sort of avoid stretching, avoid injury or something. What do you think about like stretching beforehand? So you go into the gym and then you sort of like reach up, spread your arms around, get yourself loosened up. Do you actually recommend this, or, or what would you say about like stretching or warming up to prevent injury and to, and to get yourself like fitter before you start juggling? Oh, this is a can of worms. Um, okay, let's just start off just about stretching before you juggle. Uh, do you recommend it? Not specifically elaborate why wouldn't you because this seems like common sense
2: that you should stretch before doing a physical activity it's something that pretty much everyone's always been told and there's loads and loads of evidence that basically says it doesn't do a lot in terms of injury prevention and in terms of preventing soreness and in terms of making your performance better
0: are we talking like there's been lots of scientific studies that show it it's that the common wisdom might not be true is that what you're getting at
2: yeah, there's a database in Britain called the Cochrane Database, which is what the NHS uses to look at research and say, this is good, this is bad, this is a definitely evidence-based. And the last one that came out about stretches for exercise was basically, nah, don't waste your time. Having said that, everybody I've met pretty much at every convention says, what are you talking about? This is ludicrous, you've got to stretch, you've got to stretch. And this is where I think personal experience trumps whatever the science says. I don't, I don't want someone who's always done it to change their routine because if they do firstly it's going to put them a bit out of kilter in the head then they're not going to, what am i doing and then it's going to feel wrong and if it feels wrong they're going to think "Ah, i needed to do the stretch and they're going to change anyway so i'm not saying to people don't do it i'm just saying that don't have to tell everybody that you must do this otherwise you will be Great, greatly injured because it doesn't seem to be true
0: oh okay well there you go so what is stretching good for I mean say I remember when I started doing acrobatics training all of a sudden I also got some different I got muscles where I've never had muscles before and I actually lost quite a bit of my three ball sort of body movement kind of skills and then from then on I actually every time I juggled I did actually stretch and warm up a bit and every time I was doing acrobatics I would actually stretch my arms in ways that you know would would you recommend that for sort of just general flexibility to help with your juggling would stretching and warming up
2: beforehand help with that do you think stretching is good for flexibility but you don't need to worry about it necessarily as a warm-up again this is where we start looking at people who have got different setup physical setups so there are some people who are very flexible and some people who aren't very flexible if you're doing something physical that requires a bit of flexibility you're going to need to train that flexibility in which doesn't necessarily mean doing it five minutes before you start your juggling it means spending time every day doing your stretches to the right muscles which are not going to necessarily be the same type muscles as the guy who's teaching you how to stretch is oh, because different body types
0: have different muscles to sort of do the same which will end up in the same movement
2: not quite it's more that some people will have tight muscles in one place some people will have tight muscles in another place so making everyone do exactly the same stretches yeah. it, well it's a bit redundant sometimes it's not necessarily counterproductive it's just sometimes a bit of a waste so what would you suggest then if someone, if someone they,
0: you mean sort of stretch all over and see where you need to stretch more? I mean, how do you know where, where you need to stretch? Or is it just
2: from personal experience, trial and error for yourself? I think a lot of the people who we see at the conventions will probably just do a lot of trial and error because we get a lot of people do acrobalance or whatever. And they, they're some pretty fit and healthy people here and they know really what they need. But then I do see a lot of people who've got perfectly flexible shoulders spending 10 minutes stretching their shoulders out which it just seems again a bit redundant you, why bother fair enough yeah i totally
0: agree with you could spend 10 minutes juggling or 10 minutes afterwards chatting to people and
2: just about workshops as well i see it quite a lot i've been sitting here at the ejc uh, in these ragged seats and you can see the gym and you see workshops going on and pretty much without exception everyone does a 10 minute run around workup before they get uh, onto the actual exercises is this just for acrobatics or is it for juggling as well it's mainly for the Acrobalance stuff going on over there, but I've, I have seen it for juggling as well. But the, what then generally happens is they do their 10-minute warm-up and they then sit down on the floor for 10 minutes while the tutor's showing what's going on any benefit that they would have had is just gone it's a complete waste of time really
0: i'm sitting here laughing because i've noticed over the years exactly the same thing i've done 10 minute warm and been really sweaty after well maybe not really sweaty but sort of all worked up and then they go okay now we're going to teach you this And you sit down for 20 minutes and then when i get up again i'm sore
2: and like more
0: like stiff than i was before i actually did the workshop you know actually when i started it
2: I saw a study a while back about American football players. I don't know if the American listeners will know, not everyone in Europe will, that you have a different team for attack, different team for defence. And they did a study on warming up for American football players. And the team that's on the bench at the beginning tended to have more injuries if they'd warmed up than if they hadn't. I can't remember the the reference at the moment. But basically sitting there for 20 minutes after a warm-up, just basically getting stiffer seem to be more counterproductive than even just nothing it, it yeah. caused more problems
0: wow that's uh, actually quite interesting let's get on to some other other things about you know uh, common problems you said a bit about uh, well we talked about sort of posture and warming up a bit how about repetitive strain injury and carpal tunnel syndrome and what all these things that people have wrong with their wrists and their arms from juggling too much
2: Oh, there's a, a whole series of different problems that can come about in the wrists. Uh, Let's just talk about general, generally then. Yeah. Uh, the general problem with the wrist is there's a lot of stuff going through a small space and it's not very strong in most people. The general deal is that not... We've talked about flexibility. The big issue for me is not flexibility or whether someone has an amount of movement. It's whether they can control that amount of movement. And uh, I mean, there was a... I don't want to give him his name at the moment, but there was a, a British young juggler I noticed a while ago and I was watching him thinking, that man's going to have trouble with his wrist. And I found out about a day later, that man has trouble with his <laughs> wrist. And I was looking at him thinking, yeah, definitely, it's his right wrist. Was it his right wrist? Yes, it was. And uh, it was because he wasn't controlling it. This is a guy who was doing seven balls in different patterns.
0: So his, his wrists were like flapping around on the end of his arms as he was juggling.
2: Yeah, basically. Um, he was catching a ball with his wrist sort of co- cocked towards him. And then he was slowing it down by cocking it backwards so it was going through the whole range of movement and when he was throwing it he was reversing it so. so he was
0: using his wrist far too much and you suggest that you should sort of like control like have the flexibility on your wrist but sort of like don't just use your wrist too much have more like upper arm strength moving the balls up and down when you're catching is
2: that what you're suggesting uh yes much. or just for him uh, well for everyone really i mean uh, i have s- you will always find people who do the wrong thing and don't have a problem I mean, the classic here is Thomas Dietz. He's got an odd posture when he's going, he's, he's doing his high numbers. It, it's just he's a little bit unbalanced. as you know, One side's higher than the other.
0: It's the same with Anthony Gatto. He's all crooked over as well. And Francoise Rocher as well. You see her in the gym doing the battens, and she's sort of like a head flopped
2: back and her shoulders all over the place. Yeah, I've been watching her worrying about her neck. <laughs> but uh, if you saw someone... Say if I saw someone who was a five-ball juggler trying to get better, I would say that someone who was as off-kilter as Thomas was was going to have problems with Thomas because he's so good it's it's just he's got an idiosyncrasy with anybody else it could be well be a problem so again it's individual uh, we also have talked in the past about um heavy balls and there are some people who can cope with heavy balls this guy was using sort of underfilled beanbags and he was still getting problems so if he, he was using heavy balls he'd really be wrecking his wrists. so it's a bad idea
0: Okay, so is that the main kind of repetitive strain injury you think because people are sort of actually using their wrists too much? It's not the flexibility, it's like actually the use of the, the range of movement too much. Is that the main cause of problems you see with jugglers with, with uh, repetitive strain
2: injury type kind of things in wrists? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, the other thing with wrists is you can get, uh, we've just talked about neck problems. All of the nerves that feed the, feed the arms come out of the neck. If you've got problems on both sides, it might well be something going on at the neck. Uh, whether your nerves join up into your spinal column kind of through that yeah yeah you can get problems in the, the coming out of the joints uh, of the neck which play havoc with the nerves cause problems down the arms likewise you can get problems at the elbow from that so that's something to be aware of if you get both sides happening at the same time you know both sides having a problem at the same time that usually doesn't mean there are two separate injuries first suspicion for me would be to look at the neck okay and if
0: that's happening would you suggest
2: they just go to a physiotherapist? Uh, If they can get to one, go and see a GP as first port of call. Okay. So a GP is always a first port of call? I would say so. Um, You can pay private to go and see a physio in most countries. It depends where you go. Like a sports physiotherapist kind of person? I'd recommend it. But some places you have to go and see GPs first anyway. It's just that's the rules in their countries. and Not every country has the same rules. Uh, Say in in the UK, if you came to see me, you could come and see me without having to see a GP first. because I'm, I'm allowed to see that. But there are other countries where you can't, so
0: make sure you know which what's right for your place, really. And I, I guess you sort of wouldn't suggest uh, chiropractic, then? Um, I want to be diplomatic. Um, you don't have to be. This is a juggling podcast. We like strong opinions around here.
2: I don't know about chiropractic generally, but uh, I've had some bad uh, comments from patients where I live, so... <laughs> but uh, I don't. To be fair, I don't know exactly what chiropractic training is about, and I don't know the detail of it. But they do seem to be very good at telling people that one leg is longer than the other.
0: One leg is longer than the other. Is that the thing? Is there any other kind of these complementary therapies that you uh, that you come across that people go, "Oh, do this, and you're going to get better." And it's
2: just like you're looking at it, and you're thinking that's that's. There's no evidence to back that up. Pretty much most of them. If it's called complementary medicine, there's very little evidence to back any of it up. There's a bit for acupuncture, for pain relief. Uh, there's basically nothing for homeopathy, nothing for some of the massages. They feel good. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to mend anything.
0: So I've actually had quite a few massages, and they always make me feel fantastic for a day. But I guess is, that would be the same with most uh, get into a situ- situation, put on some nice music, relax a lot, you know, and, and have someone slap you around a bit. Well, not slap you around a bit, but you know what I
2: mean by that. You're always going to feel better after that, but it might not actually get to the core of a problem. Well, usually, if there's tight muscles, overactive muscles, it's because something is odd in how you move. And the massage doesn't deal with that. It just relaxes it out afterwards. So what I try and look at when I'm looking at uh, injury prevention with a person, with a, an individual in front of me, is how, how are they moving, what are they overworking, and what aren't they using in terms of muscle. So uh, for us, loads of uh, jugglers get really tight shoulders because they're overworking their shoulders, uh, shoulder muscles at the top. They don't really control the shoulder blades brilliantly and lower down and their lower back might not be very well controlled. Look at all that sort of stuff first for a long-term shift in how you do something. Hopefully that will reduce injuries more than 10-minute runaround. (laughs) Cool stuff. Let's
0: get back to you. you. Mentioned this before, actually, about the the weighted balls. Okay, now I actually think the sort of like the exa balls or exercise balls or the 500 gram kind of size balls. I've actually uh, recommended them for sort of, like short training sessions to improve endurance ones with five balls. And I've actually with myself by experimenting, I've I've managed to increase five ball runs quite a lot. And I've, I know lots of people who've who've done the same thing. But you would actually suggest working against it maybe with wrist weights or something what would you say as a physiotherapist and i want actually to answer this not as someone don't tell someone how to get better at juggling but how to save their wrists i think that because i think that's probably the the difference here if you want to get better at juggling you could probably do that at the expense of your wrists. but what would you say to to save wrists at this
2: point if you want to save your wrists don't juggle really absolutely completely there's always a continuum you either do a lot of stuff and you're going to get injured you're just going to get knacked out, I guess, yeah. by, if you do anything long enough. Yeah, or you do nothing and you won't get injured, but you'll get unfit and you know, heart disease and fat, you name it. Uh, so you've got to be somewhere along that scale. Most people will do a little bit and get a little bit of fitness from it. And if you're at the top end, you're more likely to get injured no matter what you do, if that makes sense. Yep. Okay, so if you are sort of lower down that scale and you want to start using exo you're more likely to injure your wrist because you haven't trained them up to be able to cope with the weight and the stresses. If you're right up at the top end of that and you're doing them a lot, you're just going to overuse them. Yeah,
0: I guess so. So if you, if you want to use it, you say, like, don't just go straight to the five exo balls? Uh,
2: definitely not. Yeah. No, and I don't think wrist weights... I'm not a great fan. I don't think they work much better either. Yeah. They do save your wrists a bit, but yeah. uh, if you haven't got good control at your shoulders, it's basically shifting the the distribution of the weight in your arm and i think you you end up losing control at your shoulders a little bit i think it might help you juggle but again what we we're talking about just now with the muscles at the top of the shoulder maybe overworking i think you probably end up overworking them even more yeah. with wrist weights
0: yeah i think that i mean i've never i've tried wrist weights a, a few times but i've never seen any benefit for juggling or fitness from them at all uh, they just sort of like make my arms really heavy when there's not a ball in it you know like because you, you you're pushing against the, the weight of the ball to throw it and then when the weight of the ball goes that's that's how you can control it by like pushing against the weight of the ball if you push against the weight of the ball and there's still an uncomfortable weight on your arm I just have no control over it there at all <laughs> well
2: I've never used wrist weights for anything really
0: not even with when you've been training other people or like non-juggling stuff. You, you you know, sort of like when people go walking or something or running, sometimes they'll put wrist weights on to sort of give their arms a bit of a workout at the same time. I mean, I guess that's something different.
2: I don't normally use them for those either. I mean, there are some specific shoulder exercises I use that I want people to use weights in their hand, but they don't need to be specifically wrist weights.
0: So are there any myths that you get for, as a physiotherapist? People come to you and you say, oh but we know this of course and you're like uh, no that's just a myth some, some like uh, larger like mis uh, comprehensions or, or misunderstandings
2: by, by people about physiotherapy that you'd like to clear up Oh, the, the big one that really riles quite a lot of the physios I know is uh, I'm a massage therapist I'm not at all I, I'm here to show people how to move correctly so they can avoid problems or get over problems they've got now so you're not going to give me a massage later? Uh, It depends how much you're offering Oh, okay. 50 euros? (laughs) Uh, Maybe not.
0: (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so carry on with
2: your answer. I've forgotten where I was now.
0: Oh, you just said I'm not a massage therapist.
2: (laughs) No, no, no. We get a lot of uh, people who think uh, they're going to come along and be given hands-on and I'm somehow magically going to hoover their problems away. Uh, It doesn't really work that way. The way I look at uh, physio is I look at movement and weakness and strength, all that sort of stuff. I I can't see pain. I can't measure pain, so I don't treat it basically the side effect of moving wrong is something might hurt eventually so if someone's got pain or i think they're going to head towards it i change how they move or show them how they can change how they move and the side effect of that is they don't get the pain in the first place so basically i'm a a teacher for uh, an individual at a time they come and say i this is this is what i'm like now i look at it and say oh actually did you know you're doing this don't do this do it this way or whatever and uh six weeks later usually we're looking at uh, seeing an improvement in how they do it assuming they've been doing their work so assuming people do do their work what's your sort of like hit rate
0: or miss rate i mean like if you actually trust someone to say that they've actually done the exercises and they're actually moving different now do you normally get to the root of the problem i mean not you i'm talking about physiotherapists in general you know is it isn't it exact science or is it more of an art or what do you say it's getting more and
2: more towards the science there are some pretty bad physios around there's, there's bad everything's around well, I mean, the, the classic is if you get, end up going to see a physio and they basically stick you on an ultrasound machine for half an hour every week, there are very, very few problems that can, is actually going to help. Wait a second. What do you mean by an ultrasound machine? Is it something that buzzes you your body or something? I'm not sure what you mean. Okay. Well, you've heard of ultrasound scans, for pregnant women, for instance. Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. It's the same principle. It's uh, high-frequency sound waves. They call it therapeutic ultrasound in this case, and it, they basically zap your painful area with this ultrasound for a bit and somehow magically this is going to get you better the evidence is really pretty paltry so uh, about six years ago now I stopped using it because I thought I don't think I'm doing anything with it and I had to think about other ways of looking at um, how people improved or how I could improve people without having to rely on this magic wand which didn't really work and since then my results generally are better
0: what, just from you, you, when you say hands-on, you mean like sort of you actually see people, you get them to walk around the room, you get them to sit and things like
2: that. Is that what you can, the kind of things that you do? Uh, well, it's more about how they're moving. Uh, if someone's got a problem, it's either they've had a trauma or it's a repetitive injury normally. So if, it, if they're repetitively doing something wrong, it's a case of changing the movement. If it's a trauma, then it's a case of giving them the best condition so they can heal. Ultrasound doesn't really do either of those, so I don't use it anymore. And as I say, my results have improved quite substantially since I stopped relying on that.
0: What about uh, some other myths as well that you that you say? So you, you don't want to, you know, you're not a, uh, a massage therapist. Ultrasound and widgets and gadgets don't work. You've got to change behaviour. What else have you got there?
2: Well, talking about changing behaviour, I mean, pretty much everyone who's got a bad back wants an X-ray of it, and they generally don't seem to do an awful lot either. Because you, on an X-ray, you can pretty much you can see a fracture, you can see a dislocation, you can see a, a couple of minor things, but most back pain is just the back is a little bit stressed. We even call it mechanical back pain. It doesn't have a particularly specific title anymore. Like, generally, there's something stressed in the back. Is that all it means? Yeah, basically. I mean, there are specific categories within it. There are some people who have got weak support muscles. There are people who have just moving wrong, and some of the joints move and some joints don't. You know, you can't say everyone who's got a back pain has this problem and must do this because everybody's different again. But it's very rare that you're going to have a broken back. 99%, well, 95% of back pain is pretty um, benign. The 5%, there's usually some signs that people are going to know about yeah. and uh, they'll tell you when they're talking to you about it. And It's like it hurts really very much right here and you're going, okay, I, I don't need to take an x-ray to know that there's something really bad at that vertebrae. Uh, usually, a little bit higher maybe, but um, the basic deal is if there's something really nasty going on, you'll have really nasty signs and symptoms as opposed to just pain. You know, if you- If your back hurts and it's spasming up, You might have just had an acute onset of back pain. If your back's spasming up, you've just uh, lost control of your bladder, uh, you can't feel your feet, those sorts of things, go to the hospital
0: actually i do actually have a problem with the moment i have like at the very end of my toe i can't i don't have any feeling in half of my big toe on my right foot and it just ha- sort of started happening at this at this um <laughs> on this holiday that i've been away is what would that be uh there must be something wrong there where would, where, would there just be a trap nerve along the leg or something or, or
2: wouldn't you know about that uh without looking at it or no but yeah. no new luke it's probably psychosomatic
0: no no really really i i it's been there it's really that i don't get ill i really don't get ill i, I have very little pains and things like that i very rarely uh, have have any problems with my with my body or any injuries and stuff like that because i always try and look after myself actually i'm starting to get a bad back now because i'm holding this microphone out at a weird angle but that's pretty much the, the worst it gets so uh, anyway i guess we don't have a, a solution to my my half a toe
2: numbness Give me half an hour with the proper treatment couch. I could probably come to a solution, but... Uh, it's really not worth it, seriously. <laughs> really not worth it. Not for half a big toe. No, I, I think I'd agree.
0: Keep an eye on the other signs, though. Uh, no, it's just half a big toe at the moment. So, uh, anything else that you're wanting to say? I guess, uh, anything else? Uh, quick, let's quickly have a look at some of these uh, notes and questions, I guess. Uh, what what happens if you get pain or something like that, or if, if you get an injury? Uh,
2: depends on... On the injury, really. If it's a major injury, like you've just had a a fracture or you've dislocated something, you need to go to the hospital, basically. Just don't listen to what most people say. Go and see the professionals as soon as you can. If you've just been doing something in the gym and you've just overstressed a muscle, say you twisted your ankle, something like that, doing an acro um, move or whatever, basic job to do is get your foot up, get some ice on it. Uh, If you can get a compression bandage from the chemist, go and do that.
0: What do you mean, a compression bandage? These these blue things that you slip around your ankle and things?
2: It's usually, it literally is just an elasticated bandage. That could be, um, you know, 30 centimetres, 50 centimetres long. Double it over, put it on your um, ankle. Make sure it's the right size, don't cut your circulation off. And with ice, don't freeze your foot off. When you put ice on something, is this something you actually come across? People put so much ice that they sort of give themselves gangrene and frostbite. I've met people who've got second-degree burns on their back through heat packs they've put on to relax muscles. I've met people who've got um, skin that's come off because uh, they've left an ice pack on for half an hour and it was 10 degrees colder than it needed to be. Wow. So in other words, read the instructions, people. Read the instructions. The basic rule with ice is modern freezers are too cold they go to about minus 15 minus 16. They need to when you put ice on you want to have about zero. Yeah. So don't take a bag of frozen peas straight out of the fridge. Out of the fridge, sorry. Put it in the fridge first. Yeah, put it in the fridge for a bit. Uh, best idea actually is wrap it in a damp tea towel. If the if the dampness starts crusting and freezing over, it's too cold, don't put it on. Yeah, and, and use normal water, not salty
0: water for that. So uh, what you should uh, what you should do is just go through those th- few things again. Was it
2: rest? Right. Its easiest way to think of it is rice. Rest it. Ice it, compress it with a bandage, and elevation is the e, which is rest with your foot up. For instance, say if you've just done your ankle, if you just hurt your wrist, just keep it above, you know, about heart level. Okay,
0: and that means there's not too much blood being pumped down there. It sort of just it gives it uh, like less pressure on the
2: inside. Is that right? Uh, Basically, you just don't want to over. You don't want too much swelling in the area because it's going to be painful. There used to be a bit of a controversy about whether you take anti-inflammatories. People used to say don't take them. You need the inflammatory response to mend it, but. Taking anti-inflammatories seems to work and it doesn't seem to hinder uh, repair. So if you can get ibuprofen and you can take it without wrecking your stomach, some people listening will know that feeling, then take it, talk to the pharmacist about it, get it over the counter. You don't need to see a doctor about that unless, of course, you know you've got an an issue with taking anti-inflammatories.
0: Cool stuff. Anything else that you want to say? Because otherwise I've got like one final question afterwards. But really, if there's anything else that you want to to get in here before I ask my last question.
2: The basic deal is, my biggest bugbear when I see stuff on Wrecked Juggling or online is people will say things like, if it hurts, stop doing it. My particular thing is, if you're doing something stupid, stop before it hurts, because when it hurts, you've already got the damage, if that makes sense. So, yeah, if, you, if, if it's painful, you've already done something wrong. Yes. <laughs> and The classic is the, the wrist injuries for, with the exercise balls. I've seen a classic. There was a guy who was asking about his injured wrists somebody recommended exercise balls while he was recovering uh, which is a complete no-no wait until you at least sorted before you even think about it and then said stop when it hurts well that no <laughs> don't do it in the first place and if you must do it then stop before it hurts because that's just a bad idea
0: that's cool so my final question is um you were uh, a physiotherapist and a juggler yeah yep um, how's your back? I mean, do you avoid all these problems? Do you actually ever go, oh, something in my back there and you change your juggling? I mean, do you
2: practice on yourself? And if so, how fit are you with with the symptoms that you would normally treat? Uh, well, I'm 37. If you meet any 37-year-old who claims they never have aches and pains, you're probably going to, uh, well, either they're absolute fantastic f- physical specimens or they're lying to you. Everyone gets aches and pains. I mean, I cycle to work every day. It's about um, half an hour cycle ride each way. Some days my legs are a bit achy at the end just because I'm feeling tired at the start of the day, whatever. I do occasionally get a bad back, same as everyone. As I say, I had a yoga teacher recently who came to see me with a bad back. It just happens to everyone at some point. I don't have any particular problems. My shoulders occasionally play up a bit when I'm doing a little bit too much above my head. Yeah. So, uh, you know. I've never learned that trick just because as soon as I do it, my, my shoulders start aching and
0: I'm using muscles that I've never used before. And I just go, uh, No. Like three balls, three clubs above the head, five balls
2: above the head. No, I'm not practicing that. Uh, I think you want to come and see me at the next convention Luke, I'll have a look at your shoulders. <laughs> really? I don't, know, don't have a problem with that. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool.
0: I, no, to be honest, I just avoid stuff. Like you say, if it, if it hurts, I stop in that way. It doesn't hurt. It's just I know that if I probably carried on too much, it's just I can't be bothered to, to use those muscles too much and use my arms in that way, I guess. Um, so anyway, I think that's about it. So, uh, Alan? Physio monkey, monkey juggler, beers, whatever you want to call it yourself. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Luke. So, there was the interview. Uh, I enjoyed that. Did you enjoy that interview, Polar?
1: I loved it.
0: Okay, I guess you'll um, listen to that later then. <coughs> so, uh, that's I pretty good. have
1: roughly 60... 60- <laughs> 60 podcasts to go
0: yeah to catch up with listening to the... anyway yeah next next time around is going to be podcast 60 and we're thinking this is the plan is we've got another few like interviews that we've got that we'd like to do and another few special kind of reports from different kinds of shows that we want to do here in Berlin and uh, and different topics but one top thing that we'd like to do is just a question show where, or an answer show I guess is probably what it is we're not going to be asking questions we're going to be answering questions so if you've got anything that you want to ask Polo and I about juggling it doesn't only have to be about juggling, it can be about performers, it can be about um, polars uh, getting um, uh, what? Polars beautiful. polar is now miming at me naked to try and tell me to do stuff. Look. Well, I can say maybe no, You're not naked, but you are. You are trying to reveal yourself to be naked and um, to put me off. Anyway, yeah. So, if you actually want to know anything about the podcast, anything about what we do, anything about our views on anything like that, or if you just got a generic question about juggling, it's like uh, I'm wondering why is this trick called this. And I'm sure we can come up with some good answers.
1: Yeah, ask something that I might know. Yes,
0: yeah, so that's what I'm saying. You can ask anything about us yeah. or about...
1: But if you say, how how is that trick called? It's like, oh... I'll just go to bed then
0: it doesn't matter but if we have a good variety that's what I'm saying, saying. ask interesting questions <laughs> Yeah, of, and a variety a good variety of interesting questions and uh, again it, it, it doesn't have to be a long show so if we only get 10 questions we'll just do the 10 questions and that'll be it but if we get more than that I'd like more than 10 questions because we'll I'd like to spend like one or two minutes on each of them so uh, yeah, so yeah
1: because we are always really quick and talking
0: we do we, look yeah. we, we've managed to we managed to get this podcast out this is going to be under 45 minutes this podcast yeah, cool. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm really tired. So that's it, really. Send any your emails, um, luke at juggler.net. Um, very easy email to remember there, luke at juggler.net, with all of your questions about literally any topic that you want, unless it's just completely random and we'll just not read your question out and not answer it.
1: I think I'd really like to have a, a Luke and Paula address that we both get.
0: Yeah, but I can't be bothered to have more than one... Email address, so I think just just one for me is fine. I think.
1: Just for the podcast? I didn't want to get your emails?
0: Okay, but everyone listening back to the previous 58 59 podcast is going to have luke at juggler.net in their brain. So we might as well. Con- We've gone 59 emails uh, no. suggestions. No. 59 emails suggestions. Okay, this is just stupid. Thanks a lot for listening. Send in those emails. Catch you later. Well-